Some of you know the answer to this, so don't say it if you know the answer. I want you to get heated up this morning. I want you to put it in your hands and rub both sides of the cover. It'll be warm. And then I want you to go to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I've, I've used this message a few times. Not this message. This is fresh, but this, this passage of scripture. But I'm not going to use all of the scripture. I'm going to pick out a few little parts. Because you see, there's a few little parts in there, I believe, that men need to grab a hold of. Hmm. So in Daniel chapter 3, we talk about Nebuchadnezzar. Now, the book of Daniel, the reason I love the book of Daniel is because it's an outline of the ages. Uh, it views the end times, the triumphal entry, the cross, the destruction of Jerusalem, the Antichrist, the tribulation, end time rulers. But it's also a book of people. Not just any people, but we, particularly Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The trials and triumphs of men of faith. Now, men should be men of faith. But see, men are the type of people who like to try to figure things out. We don't necessarily go to the Word to figure it out. We try to analyze, to figure it out for ourselves. But these three particular men that I'm going to talk about are no surprise to you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm not going to talk about them specifically, but I want to talk to you about what kind of men they were. We know that Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 3 has built a golden image. The king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. This thing is 90 feet high and 9 feet wide made of gold. He wanted people to see it. But the purpose was not for people to see. The purpose was for people to worship. They were to bow or burn. In today's society, in our lingo, I would say, if you didn't bow, you burn, baby, burn. Decisions had to be made. But these three men, in particular, without hesitation, chose burn. How many of us today, if we were put in that same situation, would say, okay, I, I'll burn? Uh-uh. Mm -mm. No, no. Most of us would say, <coughs> well, you know what? I know what I'll do. I'll just bow, and then I'll just 
Tell God I didn't mean it. That's, that's how we rationalize, you know. That's how our society rationalizes today. We'll do it and say we didn't mean it. But see, church, what tests your true faith and your true character in God is saying, I will not do it. You're going to go against the flow of common society. You're going to go against the flow of what the world expects us to do. They refuse to bow, but yet we know as you read this story, they didn't burn. This is a passage of scripture that, that I've used, and, but, but again, I want to focus on these three men. So if you go to verse 12, it says, There were certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image, which thou hast set up. They regarded not they refrained from. This morning I ask you this, men. Who is your God? Who is your king? What is the image that you focus on? Hear this. Our Lord is and was different. He was a righteous man in a sinful world. Jesus did not sin. Now the world would want you to believe that that's not possible. The world would want you to believe that Jesus had some sin buried in his life just nobody knows about. It. But I'm telling you this morning, I look at the scriptures from cover to cover, and my, my word, his word, that he's given me, says he was sinless. And because of that, I can go to him, and he can help me. Because he knows what it is to be without sin. He was the light in a dark world, and he still is. Church, whenever we find ourselves in a dark and fallen place, what do we do? We call upon the name of the Lord. Right. Many times I find myself, I'll be driving, or I might even be sitting at home, or, uh, or, or reading. And, and I had these little pains that shoot in your body. You ever have those happen? Oh yeah. <laughs> and the first thing that I say is, Jesus, help me. I don't say, ouch. I don't say, oh, I wish this would go away. My instant reaction is, Jesus, help me. I was able to go to, I told you my woes last week. I told you about all the injuries that I managed to accrue in one week. And so today I can raise my arm pretty much 
You know, knowing that God has, has done a great work. Amen. My knee is back to its normal size. It doesn't hurt. I went to two different doctors, and the first guy who looked at my knees, he had me to bend this way and do this and stand like this and do like this and all. I, I felt like a, what do you call those pink birds? A flamingo. Right. <laughs> the way they had me stand and do all, and they were taking all these pictures. And he says, well, Mr. Murphy, I can't do a lot for you because the problem that you have is called arthritis. Arthritis, <laughs> boys. And I said, okay. He said, you just have to kind of deal with the pain as it comes along. He said, I imagine you have a, quite, about, quite a bit of pain. I said, no, actually, I don't. They go, you don't. You don't have a lot of pain? I said, no, I don't have a lot of pain. You, the pain usually comes if I kneel on the knee, you know, but outside of that, it's, there's no pain. So then they, they send me to this other doctor about the shoulder, and he's looking at it, and he has me doing all these kind of crazy things with my arm that I don't normally do. I think they were trying to get it to hurt. or trying to get me to hurt myself. I'm not sure. But I did what they said to do. And they took these x-rays and they go, are you sure your, your shoulder doesn't hurt? I said, well, I mean, if I lay on it, yeah, big problem. If I lay on it, no good. But other than that, I'm okay. He said, well, let me explain here. And they're, they're trying to show me how this joint is connected to this joint and how it's pushed up. And, and he said, you should be in a lot of pain. I said, well, I'm not in a lot of pain. And he says, but are you sure? <laughs> I'm thinking, does he think I'm lying to myself? Right, right. I don't like pain. Right. I can tell you, my wife will tell you, I don't like pain. I'm a baby when it comes to it. <clears throat> but see, I serve a Lord who is able to heal. Who's able to remove pain, even when the joints are out of order. You see, Jesus demanded a different lifestyle. These three men knew that Jesus demanded a different lifestyle of them. Jesus demands a different lifestyle from all of us. This is why the world hated him. They didn't want to live according to Jesus' standard. They didn't want to live a life uh, carefree of sin. They didn't want to live a life where they couldn't do what they want to do. I know there are people that say they don't serve God because if they go to church or if they try to serve the Lord, then they have to change the way they live. And they like the way they live. And I said, well, get used to it because it's going to get much hotter. That lifestyle is going to bring a heat that you have never expected in your life. You think it's hot here now? Huh. Wait until it's too late. We are to be different. Changed by the power of the Holy Ghost. We are to be changed by the power of the Gospel. Somehow today we seem to have lost the thought that we are different. 
Somehow we have lost the thought that we're to be changed. God has called us out. He's called us to be different. You are not to be like those of the world. You are to be those that God has created you to be. And so we are to be different. Church, we are a born-again new creation in Christ. You can't call yourself a born-again Christian and live like the world wants you to live. There's no separation. There's no difference. Right. God wants us to be different. He's called us to be different. Matter of fact, he changed the Corinthians. Look at what Paul records here in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 11. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Now, how is it you can't be deceived? What is it you need to remember? What is it you need to know about not being deceived? You need to know the word of God. We need to know the living word. That's the only way that you can live and not be deceived because the Holy Ghost will show you when you're being deceived. Yes. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor infamites, nor abusers of themselves of, with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetousness, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. You ready for this? And such were some of you. But listen to this. But you are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. And by the Spirit of our God. How are we changed? We are changed by the power of God. Our lives are to be changed. Our lives are to be different. These three men were going to be different. They were going to set an example. Church, we have to set an example. Do you know the church numbers are still shrinking? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you know why that is? Because we have chosen to be silent. We've chosen to be what? We have chosen to be silent. The gospel changed Paul in Philippians 3, 7 through 10. But what things were gained to me, I count those things for loss for Christ. We have to change. We have to begin to focus on a new direction. And in verse 16, we see, if you go there with me to verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. They were daring. They were taking a stand. <coughs> you see, the thrill of new Christianity is, is taking a new standard. Risking position, jobs, and friends. Did you know that if you become a Christian, you might lose some of your old friends? Do you know by becoming a Christian, you could possibly lose your job? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
You see, there's this fresh zeal when we come to Jesus Christ. There's this fresh zeal. We want everybody to know that we are born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. We want everybody to know that Jesus that we have just been introduced to, the Jesus that we love, the Jesus that died on the cross for your sins. We can't wait for people to get to know him. Right? How many still have that zeal? Whoo! Ouch! Amen. <laughs> you know why we don't have that zeal? And the answer is right here. Then we become careful. We become careful. So tactful that we never witness. So tolerant of sin that we compromise with the world. So conservative that we make no advances for Christ. That's what happened. That's what happened to the church. That's what's happened to the body of Christ. We have become careful as not to answer. Are you a Christian? Absolutely. You know, some people, they say, are you a Christian? Well, I go to church. Did you answer the question? No. There are a lot of great people in churches that are going to hell. Because they don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Nor have they asked Jesus Christ into their heart. You see, church, we have to be daring. We have to take a new stand. The walk of faith is a daring walk. How is that? Because we do it by faith. Not fearing the enemy's attack nor the world's remarks. See, what happens usually is the world will make a remark about your Christianity and then you don't say anything to them about it anymore. But that's where we're wrong. We have to take a stand for the Lord Jesus. We have to be willing to stand in the fiery pit. What I love most about these three men in verses 17 and 18, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known to thee, O king, that we will never serve thy gods nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. These men, by making that proclamation, have said, I have become dedicated to the Lord Jesus. They have become dedicated to God. Church, we must be rededicating ourselves on a daily basis to the Lord Jesus to be able to take the stance that we need to take in our lives. He is able to deliver us. Maybe I should ask you the question. Do you want to be delivered? I want you to hear this. Their remark. But if he does not deliver us, we will still 
be true. That's a very strong, a very powerful statement. If God doesn't answer you for your prayer request, are you going to remain true? You see, it's not so today, I'm afraid. If we don't receive our answers right away, or better yet, the way we want them, we say, oh, God doesn't care about me. God doesn't hear me. He's turned a deaf ear to me. Because this is what I wanted. And this is what I got. This is not what I asked for. I asked for this. See, we're not willing to take on to ourselves the thought process of where God wants us to have and what God wants us to have. We want what we want, and that's it. Take my toys and go home. God doesn't give it to me, that's it. I have to do this at home sometimes. If I don't get the right type of food, I'm just going to kick up a fit. If I don't get a lemon meringue pie or my strawberry shortcake for dessert, that's it. Or my orange sickle. <laughs> or my fat boy. You know what a fat boy is? It's an ice cream sandwich. They're so good. <laughs> oh boy. They don't give me the big ones anymore. They give me the little small ones. <laughs> you may be angry with God. Because he hasn't come through. He didn't save your marriage. He didn't heal your loved one. He didn't rescue your home from foreclosure. He didn't provide you work. He's not yet saved your children. You see, total commitment comes when all of the things in our life are out of sorts. Because that's when we step up and we say, God, no matter what things turn out, no matter what happens in my life, I'm going to stay true to you. Because let me tell you something, church. When that trumpet blast sounds, and we're raptured off of this earth, and we're standing before the King of Kings, and he's looking through the Lamb's book of life. Let me just say this. You're not going to be standing there saying, oh, is my son or my daughter or my grandmother, my grandfather, my brother, my uncle, are they on the list? You see, each one of us can only give an account for ourselves. It requires total commitment. You see, they are like Job. In Job 13, 15. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. You see, church, it doesn't matter what the world does to me. It doesn't matter if they kill me. As long as I stay true to Jesus Christ. Because, see, he's the one I have to answer to. I'm not going to give an account to Virginia or Chelsea or Sharon or anybody else on this earth. 
but I will give an account to God. When you read on through verses 25 to 27, we see that they're delivered. And what a deliverance it was. Mm -hmm. Jesus walked with them in the fire. Didn't Nebuchadnezzar say, wait a minute, didn't we throw three guys in there? But there's four. One looks like the Son of Man. It, they're, they're stunned. Only the ropes burned. And there was no smell of fire on them. Even their hair wasn't singed. You know what that tells me? That tells me this morning, no matter what I go through, my God is going to protect me. When I walk through the midst of the fire, he's going to be there with me. When I come out on the other side, he's going to be there with me. Amen. When I go to have surgery, he's going to be there with me. When I wake up, he's going to be there with me. When I'm robbed and I have no money, he's going to be there with me. If my home goes in foreclosure, he's going to be there with me. When I lose my job, he's going to be there with me. You see, church, no matter where you go, no matter what your situation is, he's going to be there with you. He's not going to abandon you. He's not going to desert you. He's not going to leave you hanging out to dry figures so you can figure it out for yourself. He's going to be there. He's going to be there. Why? Because he's already been through the fire with you. He's already been through the fire with you. What is Jesus looking for this morning, Pastor? What does Jesus want from me? He wants men on fire. That's what he's looking for. He's looking for people who are charged up and excited and ready to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's ready for people to be on fire for him. Remember that zeal we talked about earlier when we came to Christ and how excited we were when he came into our life? He's looking for that same person. We got to get charged up. We got to get ourselves back together. We got to get back in the game, as some people would say. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's what Isaiah tells us in 40.31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Amen. Church, when you start feeling like things have been dragging out of you, you've been drained, things start to start to seep away, think about that scripture. And then begin to wait upon the Lord. Begin to wait upon the Lord. Begin to call upon the Lord. Begin to worship the Lord. And as you begin to call upon Him, as you begin to wait upon Him, and as you begin to worship Him, He begins to renew your strength. He begins to give you that boldness and that vibrancy that you need to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. 
So what are we doing? Why are we letting our wood get wet? We should have the driest wood in all, all, all Palm Beach County right here. You know what I'd love to see this morning? I'd love to see the fire department pulling up with their fire trucks. <laughs> They'd say your building's on fire. There's a fire on top of the building. Just the power of the Holy Ghost. Yeah. You guys walking out here, people should say, oh, you guys, you better get a fire suit in there. Your hair's on fire. <laughs> because there's a fire on top of your head. The Holy Ghost. See, church, we have to start making our positions known. Despite the adversity that may come your way, we need to start making it known that we serve a risen Lord. I don't know about you, but I love to be on fire for God. I love to be on fire for God. You know, a lot of times people say, how's it going at your job? Ours is slowing down. It's God's economy. Amen. Mm -hmm. Not man's economy, it's God's economy. You have a need, you go to God, right? Right. Because why? Because his economy is far greater than man's economy. Oh yeah, yeah. He doesn't have the type of inflation that we face the world. He has his own inflation rates. Uh-huh. You see, when you begin to focus on that, you begin to see the sincerity of what God is doing in your life. It just makes your heart poof and wow. We're ready to have a great time with him. Yeah. Well, I think I got to start over. <laughs> I think I got to start over. I'm sorry, folks, but we got to start this all over again. I hope Dr. Jeremiah, when he, he's supposed to preach a Father's Day message, into, we, we, they'll be rolling in and we'll still be here. Why? Because of the <laughs> excitement of the Holy Ghost. Church, we have to get on fire. Yes. Don't be the denier. Don't be the denier this morning that denies God and his power and his ability to change the world in which you live in. Because he's given all of us the equipment. He's given us all the tools in which to change the world that we live in. Men, we need to be men on fire. Because we're going to give an account. Amen. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you for each man and each woman here this morning. I thank you, Lord God, that you have spoken to us this morning. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have addressed us this morning with this account of these men who were willing to go to the fiery furnace because they loved you. Because they were going to serve you and not man. And I thank you, Lord, this morning that you are going to have your way, continue to have your way with us. Yes, Jesus. 
Lord, I pray this morning above all things. Ignite our hearts. Ignite our hearts. Let that flame, let that fire be rekindled. Let that passion be rekindled. That we would go into this world and we would begin to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm. Renew our passion, Lord. Mm. In Jesus' name and all God's children said. Amen. 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 Amen.